This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You know, Portland actually has quite a bit of history with animation. From Will Vinton Studios winning an Oscar in 1975 for Best Animated Short, to Leica Studios celebrated full-length animated features like Coraline and Paranorman. I mean, even Matt Groening is from Portland. So when the film Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature this year, it was another huge validation for Portland's animation industry. Because production lasted through the pandemic, much of the work on that film was done not only at the Portland offices of animation studio Shadow Machine, but also in the backyards and homes and kitchen tables of our local fabricators and animators working on the film. And now a new exhibit at the Portland Art Museum highlights all the unconventional working conditions and artistry behind that film. Today on CityCast Portland, Shadow Machine co-founder Alex Bulkley is here to tell us more about this exhibit, what Guillermo likes to do when he's in Portland, and why our city continues to be the perfect place to make animation. It's Wednesday, June 14th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. What do you think it is about Portland that's made it such a hub for animation? You know, it is. There's a very, very rich uh, history of animation in this city. And, you know, I think you can attribute it to a really strong artistic community um, and the rain. Um, people like to work uh, inside um, on animation. Um, and uh, when you have a talent pool like you have in Portland, it's it's not just animators, but it's directors, it's designers, it's board artists, technician. There's really a community of craftspeople uh, that, that all um, collaborate into these uh, amazing productions. Um, it's unique. And, you know, beyond that, it's just a beautiful city, sort of weather aside. It, you know, I actually love the weather, but it is uh, really uh, uh, conducive to the amazing animation work that's happened. And you know, it goes back uh, years from Will Vinton, uh, you know, through a lot of the uh, Leica's amazing films. Um, and, you know, I, I believe that it's just the beginning of what Portland will do um, in animation. It's probably why we also have so many comic book nerds that come here to draw. <laughs> and <laughs> we have we have a really, as you probably know, really large like indie comic scene. So that makes a lot of sense. The rain and whatnot. Uh, but <laughs> But your film's co-director, Mark Gustafson, he actually worked with uh, Will Vinton, didn't he? Like in the California Raisins? He did. I, I believe it was his first uh, job at animation. I don't know if he was sweeping floors, but it was uh, very early. <laughs> uh, I've heard some stories. Um, you know, it's tough at that entry level. But, you know, I think with his great ambition to get into animation, you know, Will Vinton and that studio really provided the opportunity. You know, your studio, Shadow Machine, has one of its main offices here in Portland. Uh, what can you do here instead of working in L.A., like where so much of the entertainment industry is based? Like, why have an office here in Portland? Well, you know, there's there's a great advantage to be sort of outside of that um, 
commerce, that hustle and bustle of Hollywood, it allows a lot of the artists, um, storytellers to really focus on the craft, right? So you're sort of away from that, you know, the, the pressures of um, the Hollywood system with great attention to the storytelling. So, you know, it, it's close enough that people still remain connected, uh, but far enough away that it really feels like uh, a clubhouse for each and every production. I could totally see that. And there's probably less distractions, you know. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, let's talk about Pinocchio. Congratulations on your Oscar for Best Animated Feature, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, uh, really exciting. Your studio had hundreds of artists working for over three years to make this film. But I'm sure a big part of that style of animation you chose to use, stop motion, was why it took so long. Like, was that something Guillermo del Toro requested? Like, how did that decision come about? Because I know your studio isn't just doing stop animation. That's right. As a studio, we're really agnostic to the animation format, Um, you know, and, and often we approach projects with what is the best format of animation to back up the storytelling. Right. So when we first talked to Guillermo all the way back in 2012, um, you know, we approached it the same way. What uh, we love to put these stories on screen. What is the best format to amplify the the drama or bring out the best in the comedy or levity? Um, Guillermo is pretty specific early on. Um, You know, this is really a story about a puppet. And what better way to tell a story about a puppet than using actual puppets? He uh, wanted to lean into the cinematic um, virtues of what stop motion provides. You know, these are, you know, handcrafted uh, props, um, sets. Um, Everything is meticulously built over long periods of time to become sort of this magical execution of frame by frame uh, photography, stop motion. Um, So, Guillermo, you know, leaned into the craft uh, in a way that used stop motion the best way possible. Um, he's uh, incredible. I mean, I think, you know, he's a master filmmaker and has a very high bar of excellence. And his uh, vision, his voice as a storyteller was really the wind in the sails for, uh, you know, what I'd consider the best assembled crew in stop motion in the world. You know, he demands uh, 100% all the time. And, you know, this is the kind of crew uh, that delivered. Did Guillermo actually come up to Portland and uh, visit the, the studio here? Oh, my gosh. He loves Portland and he was up here a lot. And um, he definitely has his favorite spot. So if you bump into him out there, um, don't be surprised. Um, he's a big fan of, you know, the artistic community. Um, you know, he's going to be up here again soon, just as, as part of the, the Portland Art Museum launch. But, you know, it was a strange production process in the sense that we had a pandemic uh, roll through right in the middle of our production. Um, it required us to uh, rethink communication and sort of production logistics. Um, and the silver lining was that we were able to build a system of communication to connect uh, people remotely uh, for some period of time. And so um, Guillermo is up here a lot. He had to be. It's a very uh, sort of up close and personal production format. Um, but he also is a very prolific filmmaker. So he is often bouncing uh, all over the world making things. So 
Um, the good news was that, you know, animation is kind of slow. <laughs> you know, he, he had the opportunity to work with each of the animators, work very closely with Mark Gustafson on both the art and the, the performances. Um, and wherever he was in the world, um, including in Portland, uh, he was always right up on the front lines with us. What was like one bar you guys went to? I'm just curious. Was it uh, Ox? Ox was and more of restaurants. He's not much of a bar guy. So, oh, yeah, gotcha. he's, he's, so he liked Ox. Oh, yeah. Ox on, mm-hmm. on MLK. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good place. The it, I think it's like Argentinian steak or something like that. Um, you know, he is a, a foodie for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, Alex is going to give us a preview of the new Pinocchio exhibit at the Portland Art Museum. Uh, you mentioned the Portland Art Museum, uh, the exhibit, uh, Guillermo del Toro crafting Pinocchio. It's going to cover like thousands of square feet. Like, how did that happen? Tell me, tell me about that, uh, that connection. You know, somewhere in the uh, depths of our production, um, Don Urquhart from Portland Art Museum and I started talking and, and we gave him a tour of the facility. And there was a moment where um, he saw, you know, something in this artistic endeavor you know, that was, uh, you know, that people would be excited by not just on screen, but, you know, in an exhibit, you know, that, that led to conversations with the New York MoMA, um, Netflix, and, and this is, you know, sort of a, a, a collaboration between uh, uh, New York MoMA, Netflix, and the Portland Art Museum. But it was really those early conversations um, with, with Don and Amy from the Portland Art Museum that, inspired uh not just uh excellence within the crew but for what these physical objects ended up being as art uh, it's just an incredible celebration of uh the skills and the passion from you know the entire crew here in portland yeah what sorts of details will people be able to see in person uh that they didn't see in the movie if they go to the exhibit well what's incredible about this exhibit is it focuses so much on the uh the artists. You know, if you think of uh, every single puppet on screen, that puppet is a result of um, textures and colors, um, form and function, performance. There's so much that goes into not only the art objects themselves, but the the performance and storytelling capability um, of those pieces of art. So, they do a deep dive into how these uh, characters, how these uh, uh, sets and environments um, and how, you know, this world was built, you know, as a foundation from which to launch this story. It's incredible. And I, you know, having been a part of this the entire time, even I'm mesmerized. Um, it's astonishing. Which is your favorite that is, is being exhibited? Like, yeah, if you're just like, well, this is uh, Alex's pick. <laughs> Oh, you know, there's this uh, one particular shot of uh, Volpe when he has um, Pinocchio up on a cross and is going to, uh, you know, burn this puppet. And it is um, characters and a moment in the film that I just love. It was a breakthrough moment in the making of this film as we established, you know, what the skies look like, um, how the characters would perform. So many things came into this one single shot 
and uh, they have that in uh, display and it's uh, it's beautiful. Can you talk about anything that the Portland office, uh, the uh, shadow machine is working on? You know, I, I would love to. I, I feel like we've got uh, a couple things in production. Um, uh, an amazing, uh, I don't know how much I can talk about it, but uh, an amazing new project from uh, creator Mike Judge. That, oh my uh, God. Sorry. Is, I'm so um, excited. Yeah, <laughs> I love Mike Judge. Um, it's, it's terribly exciting and amazing and everyone's uh, enjoying the process. Um, uh, among other things, I think that are still to be announced. So a lot of what we do, unfortunately, is just under this um, veil of secrecy until things are released. Um, but um, you're in for a treat. We got some good stuff uh, cooking. I re- I'm sure it's not, but I just really wish it were the 2.0 of King of the Hill because I love that show <laughs> that's, so much. Yeah. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. Is that yeah. going to happen? Um, I think it's happening. Yeah. I don't, I don't know all the details, <gasps> but yeah. That's a- I'm so excited. I hope it's like Bobby as as an adult and <laughs> doing sure. whatever it is that he's doing, whatever Bobby's doing. Um, last question is a little more philosophical, uh, but we figured you might know. Um, why did Pinocchio want to be a real boy? Like there only seems to be downsides. I guess being more flammable is is a hazard, but like what? What? what why? Why? You know, here here's an interesting twist, and and I think you know the reason this film had such a big impact is this wasn't, there wasn't so much a a story arc of Pinocchio wanting to be a real boy. Um, This was really a story of, of Geppetto um, trying to be a good father. In a lot of ways, Pinocchio never changed. Yeah. Uh, Pinocchio went, you know, uh, forward as he should. and, And it was really those around him, that changed and became uh, real people. You know, it's a, it's, it was something that Guillermo said early. It's like, you know, in a time of uh, fascist Italy, you know, between World War One and World War Two, you know, the only one uh, not acting like a puppet was the puppet. <laughs> Yeah, man, you really you really turned that one on its head, Alex. <laughs> so basically, you're just like for unconditional love. It's, it's, you know, it's all about love, yeah. isn't it always? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for making the time, Alex. Uh, it's been real fun. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And now for your microdose of news. It appears that executives of the bankrupted cryptocurrency firm FTX wanted to influence Oregon Senator Ron Wyden. Records show that two longtime Wyden staffers were kept in the loop on FTX's record-breaking $500,000 donation to the Democratic Party of Oregon. The party has since had to pay a fine for failing to report the donor and return the donation. Wyden's office has denied involvement. Ronnie. And Portland and Fire Rescue rolled out its first all-electric fire truck this week. It's as powerful as a diesel one and can hold a charge for 10 hours. It's actually the second electric fire truck in the entire country, the first being in Madison, Wisconsin, just in case you were wondering. For even more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes.
That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.